second of two Bible readings is from the Gospel of Matthew, of chapter 11, verses 25 to 30. And read with me through this section of Matthew 11. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is the word of the Lord. Good evening, church. It's really great to be here tonight. It's an amazing day. I've had an amazing day. I love church. Um, had the privilege this morning of renewing baptism vows of a father who is about to dedicate his son. I had the privilege at lunchtime of baptizing down in the harbor a couple of people, Alejandro, who walked into church, what, six months ago? Broken, addicted, met Jesus, and to hear his testimony was incredible this afternoon. I baptized another baby this afternoon, a, a precious prayed-for baby of a couple who used to be at 7 p.m. And then to see See you guys in church tonight. I've walked alongside you guys for a number of years, had the privilege of doing that funeral for your dad here in church. Uh, see Mahia come to faith, and then to see Mason here tonight is utterly, utterly amazing. So love church, and I love what God is doing. And now we get to look at one of my favorite passages of scripture. So what a great day. Let me pray for us. Father, you're so good. We're blown away, Father, by the way that you keep on showering us with goodness beyond what we deserve. We thank you now for your precious word. Thank you for the riches and the beauty it contains. Lord, feed us, nourish us. Show us glorious truths that we have not seen before. May we encounter Jesus through your word tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. On the screen is a sign outside of a church. I love this sign. It says this. To all who are weary and need rest. To all who mourn and long for comfort. To all who feel worthless and wonder if God even cares. To all who fail and desire strength, to all who sin and need a saviour, this church, this church opens wide her doors with a welcome from Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? Because it's true. The heart of Jesus is Jesus cares and Jesus comforts, Jesus strengthens and Jesus sustains. When you come to Jesus weary and feeling worthless, when you come to Jesus weighed down by 
trials and tragedies and sickness and suffering, when you come to Jesus way down by your sin and your shame, when you come to Jesus in all your mess, when you just come as you are, you do find rest. You do find comfort. You do find strength. I hope you know that. Our verses tonight are really precious and they're very famous verses, Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30. Jesus says on the screen, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And we love these verses, but often we don't live them. We love them, but we don't live them. We, we quote them, but we don't do them. If we're honest, we don't always run to Jesus, come to Jesus for our rest. We don't always pursue him. Often we, we look anywhere and everywhere for peace and comfort and rest anywhere but Jesus. And I feel like God has been saying to me this week, Paul, come to me. You know you're weary, you know you're burdened, you know you're exhausted, you're emotionally, relationally, physically, spiritually dry. Come to me. And maybe that's you tonight. You're here and you're burdened and you're exhausted and you're physically, emotionally, relationally and spiritually dry and, and Jesus is saying, just come. There's a book called Gentle and Lowly by Dane Auckland. Gentle and Lowly. It's had a huge impact on the Christian world. I thoroughly recommend it. But let me just read from the preface. This book is written for the discouraged, the frustrated, the weary, the disenchanted, the cynical and the empty. Those running on fumes. Those whose Christian lives feel like constantly running up a descending escalator. Those of us who find ourselves thinking, how could I mess up that bad again? It's for that increasing suspicion that God's patience with us is wearing thin. For those of us who, who know God loves us, but suspect we have deeply disappointed him. Who've told others of the love of Christ, but wonder if, as for us, he harbours mild resentment. It's written, in other words, for normal Christians, for sinners, and for sufferers. How does Jesus feel about them? Isn't that us, all of us? We're all sinners and we're all sufferers. So how does Jesus feel about us? How does he feel about us? Because I keep meeting Christians who know the gospel, who can explain the gospel, but they don't know that Jesus really loves them. I meet Christians who get the great theology, get their theology right. They know the atonement and they know the incarnation, but, but they don't seem to know the heart of Christ. When they think of Jesus, they have this weird concept that Jesus is a bit fed up with them. He's more grumpy than glad. <laughs> or Jesus is willing to forgive them, but a bit reluctantly. Maybe that's you. Carrying around this idea of Jesus who's a bit disappointed with you. 
carrying around these burdens that you constantly feel guilty and feel like you're not measuring up or you're letting Jesus down. Well, if you're thinking like that, I don't think you've understood the heart of Christ. So tonight I want to unpack just these three verses because they are so rich, so beautiful, so majestic and so simple. Two simple points. Firstly, the, the invitation, the invitation. So those first three words of verse 28, Jesus says, come to me. That's the invitation, come to me. He doesn't say, work towards me, earn me, desire me. He doesn't say, go away from me. He doesn't say, go and do stuff for me. He, he doesn't say, go and be brave and courageous. He just invites you to, to come to him. It's a picture of a mother who is just arms wide open, wanting and longing for the child to run to her. Come, says Jesus. That's not a command, that's an invitation. Jesus said, look, I'm, I'm over here, I'm waiting for you. Stop running around everywhere looking for rest in other places but me. I'm here for you. Uh, the word come is in the present tense, not the future. He doesn't say come tomorrow, come the next day, come in a year's time. He says come today and then come again tomorrow and then the next day and just keep on coming. And we sing leave behind your regrets and mistakes, come today. There's no reason to wait because Jesus is calling. I want to say leave behind your self-reliant efforts Leave behind your sin, your shame. Leave behind your, your burdens and your guilt and your pain and just come to Jesus. Please don't complicate it. There are no conditions of entry. There's no do's and don'ts. He said, just come. Maybe that's the word you need to hear tonight, come. You don't just come to a church. We don't come to a religion or to some rituals or some rules. We don't come to a set of doctrinal truths. We don't even come to the gospel. We, we come to a person. And that person is not your pastor or your spouse or your best friend or your family, as good as they are. The person that we're invited to come to is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. So who do you come to? Verse 29, he says, I am gentle and humble in heart. Isn't that beautiful? That's the heart of Jesus, gentle and humble. Or as this book says, gentle and, and lowly. The father of the guy who wrote this book was asked recently why this book had been such a success amongst evangelical Christians. He said this, because Christians often don't think of Jesus as being gentle and lowly. But they think of Jesus as being holy, pure, just, righteous, which he is. But gentle and lowly seem to be new concepts to most Christians. But they're the two words that Jesus chose to use to describe his heart, gentle and lowly. Did you know in the 89 chapters of the Gospels, there's only one verse where Jesus describes his own heart? And what's the word that Jesus chooses to describe his own heart? I'm gentle and I'm humble. That's the heart of Christ. Christ. 
That's the Jesus that you come to. He's gentle. He's not harsh. He's not reactionary. He's not frustrated. He's not rough. He is gentle. He is tender. He's willing. He's welcoming. The, the posture most natural to Jesus is not to point the finger, but to open his arms. And he's humble. You ever had a friend who's become a bit successful in life, you know, got a better job and bought a bigger car and a bigger house, and, and they, they, they develop this swagger. And they become a bit unapproachable. <laughs> Hint of pride. Now, if there's anybody in the whole universe who could rightly have a swagger, it's the Lord Jesus Christ, <laughs> the creator of the universe. But there's no swagger with Jesus. He, he's humble. He came not to be served, but to serve. Remember, he, he, he had equality with God, but he chose not to use that to his advantage. He, he made himself nothing with that gigantic step he took on flesh. That is humbling. And being the founder and appearance of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. That is humbling. So, so when Jesus says, come to me, you're not just coming to this blazing, glorious, holy, majestic Jesus, which he is, but you're coming to one who is gentle and, and humble. And maybe you need to hear that tonight, that Jesus is not out to get you. He's not out to destroy you. He's out to cherish you, to love you, to carry you, and to serve you. Now, who's invited? Who gets to come to Jesus? Look again, verse 28. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. That word all means all. Everyone, every type of sinner, every type of sufferer, we're all invited. It's a worldwide invitation. There's no cultural limits, no national limit, no sin limit. The only requirements are is that we're weary and burdened. The word weary, it means utterly exhausted. Uh, the message says, are you tired, worn out, and burned out on religion? <laughs> now, you've been laboring yourself to the point of death, trying, trying to fix your life, trying to solve your life, trying to solve your problems. You're weary of fighting your sin. You're weary of hiding your shame. It feels like you're pushing a rock up a mountain and it's so burdensome. It's pushing down on you. And if you feel like that, if you feel utterly exhausted, Jesus says, just come to me. Just come. The word burden in verse 28, it means heavy laden. It's the dumper truck word where a great load has been dumped on you. And you're weighed down. You're weighed down by the guilt of your sin. You're crushed by all the things that you've done wrong. And, and you live in this broken world of sickness and sadness and sorrow and suffering. And you, you carry all these burdens, the hurts, the heartaches, the people's expectations of you and your own expectations of yourself. And it's just exhausting. 
It's like those runners you see around Kirribilli and they're wearing these weighted vests as if running wasn't hard enough, but they have to add on more burdens. Or these lower North Shore parents who put these massive pressure on their kids, who they must become, what they must achieve. And you see all these kids just weighed down by the burdens and expectations of their parents. It's horrible. But let's be honest, that's us, isn't it? We often feel weighed down, we feel worn out, we feel exhausted by life. Trying to measure up, trying to carry our burdens. And sadly, most religions just teach you rules and rituals and that adds to the exhaustion. Earn your salvation by keeping the rules, trying to please God. But that's the context here, that God's people were burdened and weighed down by all these religious rules, the, the do's and don'ts of the Pharisees. Those religious people who lay down all these burdens, they'd come with 395 prohibitions and 250 commands, and it was utterly exhausting trying to keep them all. I just wonder whether Jesus might say something similar to the evangelical church today. Laying down all these burdens on people. All these expectations of the flock. Telling people what they must do and how they must think. The expectations of the labour in the word and self-denial and serving, and it can be utterly exhausting, trying to keep up with the unspoken evangelical rules. And too many people in church feel crushed, crushed by sin and crushed by shame and weighed down, never thinking that they have done enough and never thinking that they are good enough. That's called religious burdens, it's wrong. And then there's the rubbish stuff that just happens in life. Broken relationships, betrayals, backstabbing, bickering, loneliness, longings, sickness, sadness, suffering, sin. All the stuff that comes at us from all angles and we're utterly, utterly exhausted. So yeah, weary and burdened are two great words. So what do you do when you're feeling weary and burdened? Most people just pretend that they're okay. You know, I can fix it. I'm strong enough, I'm able, or I'll just try harder. Maybe I'll get a life coach. Maybe I'll add a new spiritual discipline like I must read the Bible in one year. Maybe I'll plan a great holiday and feel some refreshment that way. Or or how about this, let's numb the pain. Sadly, too many people in this area try to numb the pain with things like alcohol, and that never works. Now Jesus invites us, the invitation, come to me, all who are weary and burdened. I want to add, come as you are. Just come as you are. Jesus does not tell us to unburden ourselves, to clean ourselves up, to fix ourselves up, to have it all under control, and then come. He says, come as you are, come in all your mess. It's like when you're sharing a burden with a friend. You've got a choice. You you can meet with a friend and you can just share a bit of it and be a bit guarded and you walk away and it hasn't really helped. Or you can just vomit all over them. Sob and just let it all gush out. 
no pretense, no filter. And Jesus invites us, you know, quit the pretense, quit the filter. Just come and vomit all over me in all your mess. I hope you know that, that you cannot be too needy for Jesus. He is not put off by your neediness. He knows that we're needy. We're all needy. We're all weary or burdened. Let's keep reading verse 28. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened. Here's the promise. I will give you rest. Look at that word give. It's a gift. He'll give you rest. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. You can't achieve it. It's just a gift from Jesus. He gives you this gift of rest. Uh, the word rest can mean a couple of things. It, it can mean relief from your labor. It means that you quit striving. You cease working for your salvation. It's that feeling, you know, when you don't have to do anything else. It's a good feeling, isn't it? You know that feeling when you, you close your laptop at the end of the day? Switch off your emails. Close your front door. Put up your feet. Just go... That's what Jesus is promising you. This, he longs for you not to carry the burden of sin and shame any longer. He, he longs for you to experience this peace and this pardon that only he can give. Now, I think we know that. We know that God loves us. And most of us here know how the cross works functionally. If you've never understood the cross, let me put it really, very simply. That Jesus, the perfect one who was never burdened and never weary, he invites us to dump all of our sin, all of our rubbish, all of our weariness, all our burdens onto him. So we can transfer all of our sin onto him. And he takes that sin, he takes your sin and my sins, he carries it to a cross at Calvary, and there he says, uh, it is finished. No more penalty to pay. No more price to pay. You are fully forgiven. That's how the cross works. That's what Jesus offers us. And again, we know it. We sing about it. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin, not in part but the whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. I carry it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O oh my soul. I bear it no more, we sing. And yet many of us are not experiencing that rest because we're holding on. We're holding on to some past sin. We're holding on to some present shame. We haven't accepted that my sin, not in part, but the whole, was, was dealt with at Calvary, and we need to leave it there. And then you'll experience this full forgiveness, this full pardon, this full cleansing, this... <sighs> Maybe you're here tonight and you're not a believer. And the invitation for Jesus is really quite simple. Whatever you've done, whatever you've said... Whatever hurts and pains and sin and sorrow and shame you are bearing, Jesus is waiting for you. Say, just come to me. I love you. I died for you. I want to forgive you. Just come. Stop trying to be a better person for God. Stop trying to earn your salvation. Just come to Jesus. 
What do we sing? Nothing in my hand I bring, simply to the cross I cling. Now, now too many believers, they come with empty hands, but then we just, over time, start to fill our hands with stuff. Religious stuff, good stuff, but stuff that doesn't bring us at rest. Let, Let me ask you, when you approach Jesus day after day after day, and just, you come to him again for fresh forgiveness, for renewed pardon. How do you feel? How do you feel when you come to Jesus again to confess your sins again? Do you feel like he's disappointed with you? Do you feel like he resents you? Do you feel like he forgives you out of duty? If that's how you feel, then you haven't understood the heart of Christ. He delights to carry your burdens. He delights to give you rest. He loves you. He delights to hear you confess again and come back to the cross again. He wants to give you that moment. There's a second type of rest. It's not just relief from labor. It's an end of tension. An end of tension. And so if you're musical here, you know when you tune a guitar that you, you tense the strings, you, you make them taut and tight, you stretch them. And there's a moment where that string snaps and it goes, and all the tension's gone. That's what Jesus is offering you. All the tension is gone, all, all the stress, all the tension of trying to live in this world, meeting other people's expectations, meeting your own expectations, carrying your pain and carrying your hurts and carrying your heartache, and you're trying to carry it all, and he goes, let me just take it all for you. There's a story of a teacher who held up a glass of water in front of her class, and it was half filled. And you expect the teacher to say, is this glass half full or half empty? She doesn't say that. The question she asked the class was, how heavy is this? How heavy is it? And the students say, 100 grams, 200 grams, 300 grams. And she gives this answer. It depends on how long you carry it for. Carry this glass for a second, it's not heavy. Carry it for half an hour, it begins to hurt your arm a bit. Carry it for a whole day and your arm begins to feel numb. Carry that glass for a week, no matter how much water is in it, and your arm will almost fall off. And my point is this, that whatever burdens that you are carrying, they may seem light at the moment, but unless you unload them onto Jesus, they'll get heavier and heavier and heavier, it's utterly exhausting. This part of Sydney, we're so good at thinking that we can cope and thinking that we're all self-sufficient and thinking we can carry our own burdens, but we can't. And we don't have to. Because Jesus invites us to come to him and he'll give you rest. It's really very simple. That's the invitation. Secondly, the influence, the influence. Uh, Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I'm gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. 
It's a strange word, yoke, isn't it? The word yoke is a, is a farming term. It, it's just a piece of wood that was placed over the, the necks of, of two animals side by side. Uh, one animal was often larger and stronger. So one was a leader and one was a learner. And, and the, the purpose of this yoke was to bind those two animals together and then to steer them and to guide them and to direct them along the right path. And the purpose of the yoke was to strengthen them for the work to be done. And this is what Jesus is saying, take my yoke upon you. And it's a shocking verse, really, because when he said, come to me, I'll give you rest, you expect Jesus to say, come to me, I'll give you rest. Now sit back, relax, enjoy life, and do nothing. But then he says, take my yoke upon you. And it's surprising because it seems like he's adding another burden for us to carry, something else that's exhausting to us. And that's what most Christians do with this verse. We, we turn the yoke of Jesus into bad yokes, exhausting yokes. Take my yoke of Bible reading, my yoke of prayer, my yoke of coming to church, my yoke of witnessing. They're, they're good things, the yoke of fighting your sin, the yoke of repentance. How about the yoke of being busy for God? Be busy for God, do all this stuff for God. You've got to do it, you've got to serve, and you feel guilty if you're not doing it as if you're not doing enough for God. It's not what Jesus says. He says, take my yoke. Not the yoke of the Pharisees with their rules and religions, not the yoke of the church with their guilt-inducing programs, not the yoke of the world with their constant demand for change, not the yoke of yourself or wanting to look better than we are, but the yoke of Jesus Christ. So what on earth is this yoke of Jesus Christ that we're supposed to take? I think the message version is really helpful here. It says this, for this verse. Walk with me, work with me, and watch how I do it. That's what it means to take on the yoke of Jesus, to, to walk with Jesus, to work with Jesus, and to watch how Jesus does it. To be yoked to him uh, under the same wooden beam where you go where he takes you. You let him direct you. Because his yoke is easy, it's not heavy, it's not restrictive, it's not oppressive, it's manageable, it's useful, it's beautiful. Jesus lays before us a path, a beautiful path of life. It's called love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. And Jesus invites us to walk with him, to walk the way of compassion, to be quick to forgive, to be slow to anger, to be humble, to not judge other people, to take the plank out of our own eyes, to be prayerful, to have a heart for the lost, to show kindness, to experience peace, to do good, to not retaliate, to not resent, to get rid of bitterness and envy and slander and malice and jealousy and, and greed. That to me doesn't sound burdensome, it sounds beautiful. It sounds beautiful. That's the way I want to live, to walk with Jesus and to work with Jesus 
And he invites us. He says, just, just come under my yoke. Let me lead you. But so often we're like those, those stubborn dogs who are being taken for a walk, but actually they're taking their owners for a walk and they are sniffing all the muck of this world. And I, I keep meeting Christians who say, the Christian life is so hard, Paul, it's a heavy burden. And I'm thinking, really? I actually think it's the burden you're putting on yourself or the burden the church is putting on you. Because all Jesus says is just walk with me. He says his burden is light, verse 30. Not overbearing. And to be honest, the only times when Jesus' burden has been heavy for me personally is when I've tried to do it my way. Fix it myself. Cope myself. Conquer that sin myself. And that's been exhausting. Take Jesus' yoke, walk with him, work with him, learn from me, he says. The idea of a yoke is also a student sitting at their master's feet. Learn from me, sit at my feet, be my disciple, be my follower. Let me ask you, can you think of a single person in human history that you would rather learn from? Is there any other human being in history that you would rather learn from than Jesus Christ? The one who is full of compassion, slow to anger, quick to forgive, kind, gentle, meek, lowly, not proud. Again, let me read the message version again. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Isn't that beautiful? The unforced rhythms of grace. Learn from Jesus. Sit at his feet. Drink in who he is, his character. Learn to pray like Jesus. Learn to love like Jesus. Learn to see people like Jesus saw them. And the promise is there is that you will find rest for your souls. And then compare verse 29 to 28. Come to me, says Jesus, and I will give you rest as a gift. The gift of salvation. But when you walk with Jesus, you will find rest for your souls. You'll discover rest for your souls. You'll discover this really is the most beautiful way to live. He doesn't promise rest for your body. That would be nice. End of pain, end of suffering, end of tardy. He doesn't promise that. He does promise rest for your soul. A rest from fear of God and fear of people. Rest from people-pleasing and performance. Rest from success syndrome and striving. Rest from your own expectations of yourself. When you come to Jesus and walk with Jesus and work with Jesus and live like he lived, you just discover who you are, who you're meant to be. You're a child of God, bought at a price, loved, cherished. Someone shared a revelation with me this week that really struck me. They say, God doesn't just love you. He likes you. Think about it. God doesn't just love you. He likes you. He wants to hang out with you. He wants to spend time with you. He wants to listen to you. He wants to carry your burdens. He, he wants you just to enjoy him. No pretense, no facade. He likes you. So that's it, the invitation, come to him. The, influ the influence, walk with him and work with him. And you ask him, Paul, what do I do with all this stuff? What should I do tonight? And the answer is nothing. I'm not asking you to do anything except know the heart of Jesus. 
Know the beautiful heart of your Saviour. Because if you really knew the heart of Jesus, he is gentle, he is lowly, then you wouldn't just love this verse. You'd live it. And you wouldn't just quote it. We might actually do it. And then we'd find true rest for our souls. So let me pray. I'm just going to pray through the message version of these verses. So adopt a posture. A posture of prayer where you're opening yourself up to the Lord Jesus and you're getting ready to come to him. Before I pray, I'll give you a chance just to lay down some burdens, to tell him your exhaustion. Jesus says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. I will show you how to have real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me. And you'll learn to live freely and lightly.